So yesterday was a wonderful, wonderful day as was already announced and I love that um, Richard posted about ethylene statement about that with the coat drive, but this is just a few pictures I'm going to share. Most of you, you've already seen it um, up on the website, but it was a wonderful day. We had, I was just doing a real quick like inventory. We had approximately 600 uh, winter coats. And in addition to that, another at least 500 articles of clothing, including um, shoes, gloves, socks, things of that nature. It was just, it was just amazing how many things there are. But um, I just wanted to share that because there's a lot of families that aren't going to be as cold this winter or they have the financial means, uh, did not have the financial means to have winter clothing that they have some of that now. And so very, um, very edified to see that we have a small attempts in helping our neighbors in our community. But last, um, oh, I forget when it was, not last year, but earlier this year, um, Don Adair said, Mitch, are we gonna have a family series like you were doing every year? It's been a little while, and I went back to my records, it's been about four years since the last series of, of sermons. And I said, sure, and, and I was thinking about doing some, some new sermons. He goes, well, you know, even some of the ones you've already preached would be good. So guess what we're doing? <laughs> For the month of November, we're going to go through some of these lessons on the family. And I wanted to start off with this one. This is one that I preached here back in uh, 2012. And right on the heels of the series of lessons there was a movie that was coming out. It came out maybe in the late spring, early summer of 2012 called The Perfect Family. And if you know anything about that movie, which I don't, I think I watched it for, I think I paid money uh, to get like a download or something like that to watch it in light of the sermon series. Yeah, not worth watching. <laughs> but there is, there is a good message in one way. And that is, that is this concept of what we are talking about um, with regard to this phrase, perfect family. So in the movie, the father is a successful firefighter. So community servant and uh, doing a great job with firefighting. The mother's involved with various church activities in the Catholic church. The daughter is a successful lawyer. And then the son, following in the footsteps of dad, is a community-minded servant and firefighter. Sounds great, doesn't it? And of course, you know the other foot is ready to drop because of the sermon that we have. And the movie does the same thing. Everything looks good from everyone else's perspective. Here is mom, and the mom is up for Catholic Woman of the Year. The problem is she is doing everything she can to hide the real life of her family because things are going south in a hurry. So on the heels of her um, wanting to or trying to or being nominated for this woman of the year, here's what happens. Around that time, um, this is coming up, she has to deal with her husband who is not only a successful firefighter, he's an alcoholic and he struggles with alcoholism. The son is also a drunkard, but now is guilty of cheating on his wife. And this is all coming out right on the heels of this award. The daughter is a closet lesbian in this movie. 
And so if things are bad enough with husband and son, it's really, really bad as far as she's concerned with this new information of her daughter coming out of the closet. That's heavy. And so you wonder, is this movie or real life? Because there's a lot of families that don't look too far off from this. And there are even families in the body of Christ that from people's perspective are like, wow, man, amazing, doctor, lawyer, this, that, everything looks great, everything looks pristine. And then you go into the heart of the family and you go into the cobwebs and the closet and everything and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, that's not what I was expecting. That's real life for many families. And when we get into a series like this, dealing with um, the scriptures, at least the way it's painted from Bible studies and from sermons and what have you, you've got this picture of the perfect family, the biblical family, and, and that's great. It should be that way. The reality, as we're going to see in the sermon this morning, is that's, that's not every single family. Right? Even when you talk about roles of church leaders, just because you're a leader in the church doesn't mean that everything's perfect in your family. We all know these things. This is the reality of what takes place in life. And so we're talking about something with regard to the family. And before actually going into a biblical family, we want to rid ourselves, at least this is the intention that I have for our series of lessons, we want to rid ourselves on unrealistic expectations that are in fact put upon families put upon preachers and their families put upon in some cases elders now we talk about qualities and qualifications of elders and that they rule their house well and everything but that does not mean there aren't moments where man it looks like chaos it happens and so the reason why we're doing this is because it's just not reality you can have the ideal, right? Like the reality um, versus the ideal. And the ideal is for us to be faithful, godly Christians. What's the reality? A lot of us are still broken in many ways and still learning how to, to grow in Christ. Years after becoming a child of God. That's reality. And that's the reason why we have all these letters where people are Christians for years, right? And they're still being written to and being rebuked and being exhorted to grow in Christ. And so, same thing with regard to families. But here's the thing. I want us to, to look at some caveats. Because as we're dealing with family, I recognize and I want to be sensitive to the fact that there are a number of us that don't fit this mold of quote-unquote family. We have a number in our congregation, including some that may be visiting for a while, number of services, that are single. Right? And not just single, desire to remain single. Some that are single that desire to be married and long for a relationship. And then we have those who are single because they're divorced. And in many congregations, you'll have individuals along this line, and, and I've even just had a recent conversation um, where I don't feel like I fit in. You know, we've got the family series. Well, what am I? You know, that kind of thing. So we want to be sensitive to that. All right? You've got families that are divorced or going through divorces that are separated or going through separation. And then you, you just talk about the families that are together. 
that literally are husband, wife, married, but no relationship. So there's a wide swath that we're talking about, even in the body of Christ, that needs to be dealt with. And we're going to try and deal with some of these things. I don't know if we can tackle every single thing, but we'll try and do our very best to get a lot of what we're talking about with regard to this family. And so with that said, biblically speaking, we know that there are families that are godly families where, I mean, you go from top to bottom, everything looks really good from the outside perspective. And inside, you go into the family, you're like, pretty healthy everyone's doing well but godly families does not mean perfect in the idea of perfection right that's that's what we want to clear up so godly families exist we are we have families whereupon there are husbands and wives they love each other they respect each other throughout their marriage that that doesn't mean that there aren't hiccups in times where selfishness, greed, anger, hatred, all that may be times that take place in that relationship. But by and large, you go through the life of that marriage and there's love, there's respect for one another. And then there are parents that train up their children in the way they should go, right? Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way they should, they should go, right? So you've got that going on. It does, does not mean that there aren't times when parents don't train up their children. But when you look at the overall life and you see how they do it, they may not be doing it in an orthodox manner, but they, they train up their children. You'll have that. And then there are children that, that truly do honor and truly do respect mom and dad. But that does not mean that there aren't times in which the child just loses their mind and doesn't behave as a parent would want their child to behave. So those are moments that take place. But that's what we're talking about, right? And so we have Ephesians chapter 6, which was just read by Mark for us. These are godly examples. And they're wonderful, uplifting, edifying examples. And we should all strive to be this family. We should strive, right? And there are families that do fit this. But there are many that don't. There are many that, as over the years when I've given sermons, that come away with the series of lessons a little bit more discouraged because they're like, everything looks so perfect, but our family's so far from that. I, I feel like that's, that's just not us. And then the next family says something similar in, in their own words and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, okay, wait, let me rethink this. So the desire is there. The examples are there for us to have these kinds of families, but the realities is that it always isn't that way. And so we need to do a reality check. The fact of the matter is, even in the body of Christ, and the reason why the body of Christ is made up of human beings, because we're sinners, is that many families in Christ don't fit this model. All you have to do is get out of your own little bubble of life that exists between you, if your spouse, your siblings, your parents, your children, and then go spend time with everyone else's families. Like, live with them for a good long while. And all of a sudden, the best foot forward doesn't go so far forward anymore. And you start seeing things. You hear statements. You know, little words that it's not all wonderful. That's the reality. There are many families that have, whether it's one person in the family, 
right? Everyone else is being functioning and living godly lives, and there's one in the family that it's the, the dark horse, if you will, of the family, the black sheep. And they just don't fit in because they're living an ungodly life. And then in other families, it's not just one person. It may be more of them. You know, there's a few in the family that just reigns chaos. And then there are some families in the body of Christ. You wonder, are we a Christian family? There's chaos. It's dysfunction. It's broken. And these are families, brethren, that may be right in our midst right now. Families who love the Lord but struggle with sin. Whether it's temptations, whether it's just relationship issues that is hard to work with, but whatever the scenarios are, these families look like this, just complete dysfunction. And, and I think, you know, when we're getting into reasons why brethren don't get together as often, and this may be part of that reason. I don't want you to see the dysfunction of me and my family. So how do we deal with these things? That's the really the thing that we need to look at. Well, here's, here's what we have to do first before we deal with some stuff is just look at the reality then. Every family has unique individuals, right? We've got all our personalities, and everyone has their own strengths, and everyone has their own weaknesses, right? That's what's true of every single family. The question is, do we own up to our strengths and our weaknesses? I mean, it's easy to find our strengths because, well, it makes me look good. What about when I have to own up to my weaknesses, when I contribute to the detriment of my family, the well-being of my spouse or my children or my siblings or my parents by what I think, what I do? That's what we have to do. Is, that's the reality because every one of our families have unique lives within that family relationship. And then not only do we have unique lives all clashing at times, with ever-evolving circumstances that change. Sometimes we have a tragic event that can cause a family that's doing well to go off the rails. There have been a number of divorces, even among brethren, where that has happened. Where some tragic event, instead of bringing us closer together and relying between each other and our God, we get further apart because of the ever-changing circumstances. And they propose new challenges every step of the way, right? So that's the thing that I'm wanting us to do is to note that as we go into the series of lessons. So if you think, wow, that sounds depressing, I don't want, and that's not the point of the sermon is to be depressing from that standpoint, I want you to know it's a reality not just in everyday life. It's a reality that we see in scriptures. We've been going through the Old Testament scriptures, and I think Someone had brought it out in one of our Bible classes not a month or two ago, right? We look at Adam and Eve's family. Perfect. You're in the Garden of Eden. Still sin. Now you have children. And the very first generation of children, and you've got a murderer. Not just a murderer of a stranger because no one's strangers, right? Murder your own family member. I'd say that's pretty dysfunctional. Then you have Noah, a man who, who has grace in the eyes of our Lord, 
Um, and he gets off the boat, and the next thing you read about after he plants a vineyard, starts a new life, he gets drunk. And one of his sons sees him, and he's naked. And then we see more dysfunction. And the father curses his son, and so on and so forth. We go through Abraham's life, right? Abraham, Isaac, uh, Abraham I'm going to give you uh, all the families of the earth. And while well, things aren't happening just right, hey, wife. Or the wife says, hey, husband, how about our maid? This, this is not very functional decision there, right? So you have that. Isaac, and you got brothers, you know, your sons are fighting against each other and, and vying for, you know, his blessings. You got Eli, who is a, a priest and has terrible sons. Samuel, dedicating his life to the Lord, he's got terrible sons. You've got David, who is a man after God's own heart, committing adultery. You have Solomon. I don't know, he's not even, well, he's, yeah, he's not even on here. But from, from him going on, Rehoboam, all the kings going on Judah side and on Israel side where the kingdom divides, and you have just complete chaos. These are people with a covenant relationship with God, mind you, living this way. So it's not like we're talking about, well, you know, uh, Mitch, you're just kind of letting it in like as if we're just lowering our standards. It's not a matter of lowering standards. It's a matter of reality that here we are, people of God, loving God, and yet this is what life is like. If only we try harder. How many of you, and I'm just, I know I'm getting into it, I get personal. You can raise your hand if you want to. You don't have to because this is a real personal question I'm going to ask. How many of you trying to serve the Lord, dysfunctional person in your family who wants to admit that right but it happens I bet some of you in your heart going yeah if I could raise my hand I would do it right now sometimes I'm or if we don't want to admit it how many of us would say yeah but my husband is dysfunctional <laughs> my wife is dysfunctional my children are dysfunctional in other words, when I say dysfunction, we're not, we're, we have chaos that reigns from time to time, if not all the time. And so once we start looking at it real seriously, all those chuckles starts to wane a little bit. And we're like, yeah, I, I can go through the Rolodex of our family history. And I can see we're not unlike a lot of these families that are in the Bible. And so... If we look at it from that vantage point, then here's the thing. What we see in Scripture is this. Here's what a family dynamic does that is unique from any other relationship. And there are other unique relationships. I would, I would consider like the military a very unique relationship um, in, because of the way your lives are put together in, in very traumatic situations. And you have to depend up, upon each other's lives. So you some similarities Along those lines. But what family, the family unit does, when you get married and when you have children, right? Marriage by itself, children on, its, on another level, you create a dynamic that is unique in from the day-to-day -day relationship that will challenge your strengths. For instance, I remember um, before I began really preaching full-time, I was a school teacher, taught special education, 
And I remember Christian men and women talking to me, and they said, Mitch, you are such a patient person. Get married, have children, and you know what I can hear from time to time with my wife and my children? You're not so patient. That's because even what strength people would perceive of me gets challenged in a way that I never would have dreamt before marriage. That's one of many traits that we could look at. So what family units do in a husband-wife relationship, in a parent-child-sibling relationship, it puts us in unique scenarios on a day-to-day basis that will expose our weaknesses in the most amazingly horrific way at times. So how does that help us? Here's the little silver lining in the midst before we finish the, the sermon about this. It's also a silver lining. When you get to see that chaos, number one, we see a need for a savior. Real desperate need at times. Number two, as we get older, we start realizing this is an amazing transformational type mentality. As we get older, some of us, many of us, not all of us, think that maybe we don't know as much as we thought we did. Right? I've come to the point that, and I've said this once publicly, and some of you, I, I was not meaning it literally, but I said if we had another hundred children, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that I would be any better of a father after a hundred children than after the first hundred. <laughs> I, really, I really don't believe that now because I look back and there are times when like Julie uh, would say to me early in our marriage, oh, honey, you're so hard on these girls. And the girls would say, yeah, dad, you were so hard on us. And now our older daughter's like, man, you're just a wuss with <laughs> like, you're, you just turn into mush with Carrie Lynn and McKenna. And the flip side was Julie is just so, oh, honey, honey, you're sweet girls. And, and now she's like, get over it, girls, you know. <laughs> so, like, we've kind of, like, switched places. So, I mean, that's, that's what happens in life. You go through the, because you're trying to become a better, a better husband, a better wife, a better father and mother. And in the midst, you, you, you try to adjust accordingly. But to other people's perspective, you go from one pendulum swing to the other, right? And you might even go back and forth at times because you're trying your best. And circumstances in life affect then how you husband, how you wife, how you parent, how you sibling, if I can use those as verbs. So that's what we're talking about. That's what the family unit that is so unique does for relationships. It exposes your weaknesses. It challenges what you think are strengths that you have in your relationships. And, and they can do a lot of good for our growth, but that'll be another sermon that we'll get into. So as we go forward into the series that we're looking at, here's absolutely what we want to be doing. We want to make not efforts, but godly efforts. So when I'm saying godly efforts, I mean, we are created in the image of God, and I'm going to focus on that as part of the series. Right? Because we're created in the image of God, there's something about that that we should be living out. But we have the flesh in us, and so we've got this battle going on where we're trying to live godly lives and to have godly families, 
for whatever family we're a part of. And so with that then is this concept. Ephesians chapter 4, right? If, if, if we look at the Lord's church this way, the Lord's church is used as a family-like picture. And I want to read this passage. It'll be one of the few passages we actually focus in on because I know I've not really hit the scriptures um, in this introductory lesson. But I want you to look at this text with me. And I want you to see how this affects family. And we see it just no different than the Lord's church. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, very, very similar to, um, to other passages that we're going to look at with regard to the family. So Ephesians 4, verse 15 tells us, Speak the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What's true of the Lord's church is very, very true of any family unit. Any family unit. And so it's kind of hard if, if only one person is, is contributing to the welfare of the family because then it's still chaos and chaos will reign. And on the flip side, you might only have, only have one person that lives in this ungodly state, and it is enough to destroy what is good and healthy in a family. And so it takes an entire family effort if, we're, if that's going to be the case. And so the whole purpose of what we're looking at for the next month is looking at our family roles, not from, a, okay, here's dad, here's what you do, but really seeing it from this godly image vantage point. That's going to be the focus. Here's attributes of our God, since we're having Bible studies on the attributes of God, and here's how it pertains to family attributes, right? That's what we're striving to do as we look at this series on the family members, and then looking at major events that shape our lives, right? Those milestones as we go into a relationship of, of marriage, and milestones of having children, milestones of when your children get older, and even when they grow up and they get married and have their own children, things along those lines. So that's kind of what we'll be looking at so here's the thing i hope that you will hear all these lessons with fresh eyes fresh ears i hope that if you um struggling with your family situation that these sermons will edify and help you i also hope that if you have family and friends that can benefit from these messages that you'll bring them I know that's the intent that the elders had. That's the intent Don had when he asked for this series to return. And so that would be my desire as I share these messages. Um, and just know there is not a perfect family. Not on this side of heaven there isn't. But there are families that can make that effort to, to be godly families. Families that can forgive each other when we sin against each other. Families that can be long-suffering and rather than a short fuse when we do something that is idiotic before each other. Those are the things that will help us, I think, deepen our relationships that we have within our families or even heal relationships within our families that might be broken right now. So that's, that's kind of where we are. If you're wanting to be in a perfect family, here's the recipe. Simple recipe. You need Jesus. And you're going to have to die in him. 
And if you die in him, he will give you the perfect family in, in his kingdom. Until then, we're going to have struggles. Even in Christ, we will have our struggles. That's just the reality. All right? And so the invitation is for you to come into the kingdom of our Lord, that we learn how, by walking with Jesus, by learning to become molded in his image, that we become more and more like him, that we start actually affecting and influencing who we are individually and how it permeates that influence throughout our families. That is a great blessing. And if you want that, that's the invitation for you to come and become a child of God in his family, the household of faith. And if you want our prayers, maybe you, you need prayers with regard to your families. By all means, take advantage of this time as together we stand and sing the song.